You're listening to the Back Row Rewind, a condensed show featuring just the main segments of the week's Back Row Morning Shows. It's a new day! Yes, it is! Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Up and at them. Raise and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on, the coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. You're tuned in to the Back Row Morning Show, proudly a part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. We're caffeine-fueled and ready to talk your ears off. This week on the show, we will be taking a serious look at three things that are killing Christianity. And we're going to start by kicking off a discussion with our Discord. So as our Discord chat is uh, populating... Populating. Over here with, with folks who As like chat to is chat with us. Let me explain what we're going to be discussing this week. Christianity is kind of losing the culture war these days. But that is something that we've come to expect. However, in our efforts to fight the culture war, we seem to be harming ourselves the worst. I've seen this uh, personally going on in my own life. From how I acted in high school versus how I act now and how much that has changed. So this week, we're going to be talking about what is hindering Christianity today. And I want to start with a specific question for our Discord buds, uh, which might just be Oriel today, but we'll see if anyone else jumps in. <sighs> but if it's just Oriel, that's fine. <sighs> um, you mean Tad's not there yet? Oh, wait. Tad's not. Tad's, Tad, Tad is there. Tad's there. Okay. okay. So the question is... Uh, how did you share the love of Christ with someone now compared to when you were younger and what has changed about your approach and why? So let's uh, jump into chat and introduce who we got here. Uh, y'all there. Can you hear us? Yeah. Whoop, whoop. All right. Let me it's make sure, all my brothers. Make sure we can hear you. <laughs> all nope. of them. All, all of, them. of them. Now we can hear you. Well, Matt included. Sheesh. My brothers. <laughs> my brothers. Sorry, brothers. My brothers. All right, so we've got uh, we got Oriel Jedi here, Brian, otherwise known as Brian. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad oh, to have oh. Oriel. Oh, oh, Oriel. Yes. <laughs> Will you please say the animal that says moo? Cow. He says it all. He does it with an Wow. <laughs> Wow, bro. Cal? <laughs> Lars, Cal. thank you for that, that subscription. 17 months in a row. My goodness. So Marylanders have a very distinct kind of accent, dialect, and yeah. I've lost all of it from when I was a kid, except for, I think, some of those really weird words Cows that I say. And, and everything with yep. a double O. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oriel, do you do the double O weird also? I mean, I like say, say food. Food. Ooh, yeah. See, he says it like I say it. Food. Food. No, you say it. You you say it like it's almost a a you like food. You say food. He food. didn't say that. Food. You have to really focus to food. say food. 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 <laughs> say it again, Oriole. Food. See. No, it sounded He's, right to me. No. <laughs> anyway. And we also have uh, Tad Hall, otherwise known as Duncan, in here. I don't like calling Hi. you Duncan. I'm so used to calling you Tad now. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> everyone says, you know, Tad is so much easier than saying you're really real is. Like, okay. <laughs> everyone runs on Duncan, so <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I say, just think Duncan's toy chest. Can you say cow for us? Yes. Cow? Awesome. Cow? See, perfect. Cow? Now I'm going to yeah. have to cut all the cow. cow talk out because that doesn't happen until Tuesday, and this is for the Monday show. <laughs> 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 Whoops. That was my We're fault. talking in the future. 
in the future. <laughs> Lark is offering to jump in and say cow. I think I think Tad covered it. He 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 did. <laughs> cow. Hop in and say cow and leave. All right, cow. do it, do it, Lark. I dare you. I double dog dare you. <laughs> I dare you to say no other words. Just cow. Just on, say cow, and gone. On cow. Do it. On. We will wait. <laughs> Waiting. Cow. 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 Thank you, Mark. It was so long and drawn. <laughs> this was helpful. <laughs> this was a good experiment. I appreciate uh, this. All right. So today's question is, how do you share the love of Christ with someone now compared to when you were younger? I don't necessarily mean when you were a kid, but just any time previous in your life. What has changed uh, about how you approach that and why? So I, and I also don't necessarily mean like having trying to walk someone through like the prayer of salvation or anything. I just mean like how you share your Being faith, how you talk about, yeah, how do you talk about Jesus with someone who might be interested? Hmm. I only have like seven years of experience, so that's plenty of time to change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I I guess it would be more so how I connect with people okay. um, and what things are brought up because more things I've been able to go through more things and discover more of who God is recently. So um, really being confident in sharing with uh, those that I know that are struggling through depression and being able to say, look, I know God can, can go through this with you um and so yeah when when i was younger it was basically i kind of felt like i fell into opportunities to share jesus Mm -hmm. um like we would i i would give um just uh vagabonds uh rides wherever they needed um and share jesus and all of a sudden they wanted to be saved and it was really cool um so or I'd be walking around. So it was really kind of uninten- more unintentional when I was younger. Sitting there talking about you only have seven years of experience. <laughs> I was driving around people like their personal Uber and bringing them to Christ right then and there. Jeez. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Brian? My, I've become like uh, Ted said, more intentional about yeah. it. I've kind of made it more. It, um, it's hard to describe, but like I would, I've also it's more of uh, showing with how I'm living my life, mm. and instead <laughs> of making it all about words, because I always feel like actions are a lot better with showing than just saying words because i mean we all know people who say oh i give you my word and then they don't follow through on it sure but when you actually are doing something you're gonna do something because you believe it not to i mean some people might try to do something to prove a point but you can normally tell those kind of things compared to someone who actually believes in something that is living it out in their life yeah and so I just feel it's more genuine now instead of trying to force it into a conversation like I used to. You would always like be talking to somebody and just all of a sudden out of nowhere kind of come in with the whole, oh, hey, do you want to talk about Jesus kind of thing? <laughs> and now it becomes more of a natural flowing conversation and you're kind of meeting the people where they are. That's what I've become more accustomed to doing. And especially now with, I mean, Love Thy Nerd. I mean, it's become a great way of kind of meeting people where they are and telling people about Love Thy Nerd and then being able to move the conversation genuinely into talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, when I was younger, 
uh, I was very much like I was very much the the yelling at the people who were doing the wrong thing kind of person. Like I was the loud blogger who was like, here's 11 reasons why you're going to hell. You know, that kind of not, not that direct, but essentially right. that's the, the message. And, uh, it was, uh, CR at first celebrate recovery at first. And then LTN has continued to help me have kind of a more focus on the importance of, love and the more importance of planting seeds. There have been a couple times where I've gotten to walk someone through, you know, accepting Christ. And that's really cool. But I also, you know, have to realize that that's just like, that's kind of like the end point of a long series of seeds that have been planted in that person's life. It's nothing that I did right then and there. Like, this has been going on. I'm fortunate enough to get to experience a cool moment. Um, but it's important that had those seeds not been planted in that person's life, I never would have had that moment with them. They never right. would have gotten there. And so it's really gotten to me just, just like that. It's really gotten to me to be more important about just being good at planting seeds and planting good seeds at that. And so with, LTN and with with CR, just like you said, it's more important at the beginning to actually be friends. It's more important to show love to people who might not feel love anywhere else. Uh, and that will naturally start to produce opportunities in a lot of people's lives to have those conversations. It's like um, a 21 Pilots song that got really popular because of uh, the Suicide Squad movie, the first one. Right. Uh, heathens, you know, mm -hmm. all my friends are yeah. heathens. Take it slow. Wait for them to ask you who, you know, that's exactly what it's talking about. It's a talking about yep. don't come in here. Just, you know, screaming about Jesus and proselytizing, whatever. Take it slow with them. Wait for them to come to you. And that's really how most of these kind of salvation experiences work is you have to wait for them. It's, it's, it's just like, you know, in recovery, you know, you, you know, they always say in recovery, you can't force anybody into recovery. They are going to have to hit their own rock bottom and they're going to have to come to that realization. Salvation's the exact same way. They're going to have to come to their own realization that I need Jesus. So be the person who's shown they can come to when they reach that decision and be safe right. to have that kind of discussion. And that's something I did not care about <laughs> when, I was, when I was, you know, two decades ago. You know, I didn't, I didn't think any of that stuff through. I just thought, let's throw out as much Jesus talk and Bible verses as possible, like a, throwing a bomb into the middle of a crowd and hope the splatter sends somebody to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> didn't ever really work out for me that well right i mean it's kind of like a lot of people would be uh bragging about when i was growing up like oh i've brought this many people to church that have then had gotten baptized and everything like that and it would kind of make me feel like what am i doing wrong that i haven't brought anyone to get baptized that I've seen personally, mm -hmm. but maybe like you said, with the whole planting seeds down the line, I wasn't meant to be the one that got mm -hmm. them, that saw them get baptized, but I was one of many along their journey of getting them to the faith. And if I hadn't done my part, then it wouldn't may not have happened. Absolutely. So, yeah. We should, we should yeah. treat all those situations. Like we are representative, represent, representative, of Christ uh, in all that we do, and that's why it's you know important to be good representatives at all times, because you never know who's watching us and you know drawing from their experience with us as believers to yeah. kind of inform if that's something that they want to do in their life. They want to you know if that's the path they want to take. Mo, what about you? Uh, so really, you and I. I think that we've talked about this before, but we are similar, very similar. Similar pattern. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I've actually had this topic hit very personally recently, um, which I'm sure we can talk about later in the week. Um, but it's 
because of the situation that has been around me, it's really made me pause and consider like, what is it that causes us in our Christian walk to kind of go from feeling that legalism to love? You know, it's really made me take a step back and go, okay, wait a minute. Why do people go through this pattern? And the only thing that I can really come up with is the fact that, you know, once we first turn our lives over to Jesus, that we feel this passion, that on fire moment, you know, where we, we realize what we've been saved from and we want for everybody in our lives to have that same salvation, Mm -hmm. you know, and we just feel like this intensity to go out and tell the world because we don't want to see anybody within our family or our friends go without knowing God. Right. You know, um, so we put on our fire pants, so to speak, and just go out (laughs) screaming. I can remember I, we've, I've already said before that I grew up Pentecostal. And so it was on Saturday mornings, we would regularly meet at our church and then we would break off into teams of like five or six with tracks Mm -hmm. and we would go door knocking And we would walk around the neighborhoods surrounding our church, knocking on doors, and then invite ourselves into these people's homes to try and, quote unquote, win souls. What that did for me, because I was saved at a young age and then kind of went into that lifestyle very, very early, um, what that did for me was kind of gave me this idea that I was their savior. Mm. You know, how many souls am I winning? How many people am I seeing get baptized that I brought to church? (laughs) You know, and I was that girl all throughout my teen years who every single week, are you going to come to church with me this week? Are you going to come to church? My mom will come and get you. My mom's car was always full of my friends because I twisted every single one of their arms (laughs) to come to church with me. And the payoff, right? The payoff really wasn't that great. Like I look at those people now and while seeds may have been sown, me like forcing things down their throat didn't help. Likely tainted some of those situations. Exactly. Exactly. But exactly like you said, through Celebrate Recovery and also through partnering with Love Thy Nerd, realizing that the focus is love, loving others. You attract more bees with honey, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what, it, is that the saying? That's the saying, but it's scientifically inaccurate. Well, whatever. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> oh, no, wait. No, no, no. It's, is fly. it flies? No, it's you flies. Attract, flies. There you go. You, you attract I mean, more bees flies do, bees do like honey. with honey. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. But anyway, yeah. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. 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 Um, it has been my experience in my almost 37 years that the more you shove things down people's throat and you guilt trip them and you, you shame them, the further they're going to walk away. Yeah. But when you show them love and understanding while partnering that with truth, you would be surprised at the conversations and the doors that that opens within people's lives for them to be willing to at least hear about Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all got any last words there, yeah. Brian, Tad? Uh, I would also say um, that the one thing that hasn't changed is not being afraid to share uh, the things that God's redeemed and delivered me from. Mm-hmm. So at work, I always get asked, so why don't you smoke cigarettes anymore? And so, and that's been a, a perfect um, opportunity to share. Well, it was purely a God thing. Um, and that it, you know, that process of God taking that out of my life and taking drugs out of my life and bringing healthy relationships and, and all of those opportunities have, you know, even when they don't agree about God, I've been able to share, um, the things that, that, they're longing for or seeking. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Brian, any last words from you? No, I think pretty much said everything. <laughs> I uh, was going to say cows. <laughs> you don't have to do it alone. 
Cows have nothing to do with this conversation. Yeah. That's the last, it's that's a the last moo word. Point. Cow. It's a moo point. It's like a cow's a <laughs> moo. <laughs> it's moo. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. You guys are thank the best. You. Love y'all. Love, Love you. Guys. Bye. Hi, yeah, yeah. Cow's opinion. It's just moo. <laughs> Have I been living with him for too long, or did all of that just make sense? <laughs> all right. So this week we are talking about things that are hindering Christianity. So first up, we're going to talk about legalism. This is a classic one, uh, the one that even Jesus himself had to put up with, the focus on rules as opposed to the focus on faith, hope, and love. Mm. Uh, one of the things that we struggle with as believers is pointing to the sins of unbelievers. Like we demand repentance from them as the first step to their salvation. Now, we don't say it like that, but that's how we act. Like we see the world living like the world lives. And we think and often speak that their only chance to find salvation is change now. Stop sinning now. When in reality, it is the call of the love of Christ on a person's heart that starts that process. You realize your need for a savior, and then you begin true transformative change. Mm -hmm. That doesn't stop us from calling out strangers, though, for some reason, especially on the Internet. Gosh, social media has done a terrible thing for believers <laughs> when it comes to trying to spread the good news. Instead, mm -hmm. we spread the bad news. You're sinning. <laughs> Uh, I think we often forget what we were like before salvation and what brought us to salvation. We're also like, we forget how sinful that we still are mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. So why do we expect people who don't believe in the Bible to follow the Bible's rules? And why are we so offended when they don't? I don't know. I will say that is one of uh, I the biggest aha moments that I had while Kevin was our pastor here. And he said something along the lines of stop expecting non-believers to act like believers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Excuse you? <gasps> Mind blown. <laughs> you know, because yeah. It, it happens every single day. Christians every single day are offended at the choices of people who are not living their life in the same moral aspect as what, as what we are. Yeah. But why are we surprised? Why are we offended? It, yeah. I, I don't know, Matt. I don't know because we're human. That's yeah. why. And because it will always be easier for us to point out the faults in others than for us to honestly look in the mirror yeah. and say, okay, God, tell me whatever it is that needs to be straightened out. Mm -hmm. With, uh, like we talked about it with the discord discussion. When I was a kid, I ran a, a blog, a kid, when I was a teen, when I was a college age teenager, I ran a blog that, uh, my brother, my older brother, uh, once called me like Rush Limbaugh Jr. And at the time, I'm like, that was a cool compliment. And now I'm like, that was awful. Why would I ever think that was a cool thing? Like, I'm not saying Rush Limbaugh was a bad person, but that's not the person I want to be. And that's not who I want to come off as because Rush Limbaugh got his entire career, basically calling out everybody else's BS all the time. And highly political. Yeah. And while my stuff wasn't all that political, it was more, you know, faith-based. It was still like, you really want to come at everybody with that kind of tone, especially when it's faith-based stuff. It's just me yelling at non-Christians. That's all it is. A few times yelling at Christians, but mostly yelling at non-Christians who are doing things wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's a... <laughs> Like I, like I said, it's, the internet has has done a bad thing for us. <laughs> I, it's 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 really given us license to be offensive without having to look somebody in the eye. Mm -hmm. And Christians have taken that and run with it. 
and we often do it within echo chambers. So it'll be a lot of people who are agreeing with us and building us up. Yes, that's right. I'm going to share it. I'm going to post it. I'm going to comment. Wonderful point. And we think we're doing something good. We we consider it a ministry. And that's so dangerous because all it's doing, especially when we're in the echo chamber, is when someone who is living a way that we disagree with or that we're railing against happens to stumble upon it, all we're doing is hammering that door shut. We are not opening the door and welcoming them in. We are hammering it shut, Mm -hmm. saying, this is our area. You don't belong. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to walk away thinking they don't belong, that they don't even have that opportunity to belong. Uh, Back in the late 2000s, I read an article about a Baptist church that attended an insane clown posse concert. Remember the insane clown posse? I don't. You don't remember? Can you fix our, our picture? Oh, it's on you. Uh, I I was waiting for an opportunity. Sorry. (laughs) Normally, when you're over on this side, Uh I can handle it. (laughs) Sorry. Should I just give you this and you be in charge of it? Is it possible? Because I thought about it. Yeah, we'll we'll work on that. All right. Sorry. Derailed. Internal uh, office communication right there that y'all get to be a part of. Uh, So anyway, back in the late 2000s, I read an article about a Baptist church attending an insane clown posse concert. Thousands of kids with their face painted as evil clown uh, designs. The crowds at these type of concerts are notorious for kind of unrepentant bad behavior there. Uh, you know, but that's kind of most concerts these days. <laughs> but a Baptist church showed up to cook them hamburgers and give them away for free to the fans, which uh, their fans are called juggalos. Okay. Uh, they did not preach at them. They did not pass out tracks. All they did was just love the kids, mm-hmm. show them love, talk to them, not necessarily about anything specific, just talk to them, give them food. One of the Baptists said that they saw the faces of these kids soften behind that evil clown paint, saying, you can tell these are good kids. And that's really, the honest truth is, most people who we tend to rail against because they disagree with us on some topic, even some you know big topics, are people that have genuinely come about their beliefs in a genuine way that they think is immoral and you know right way. Most people think that they are good. And so while it is a necessary requirement for us to eventually come to that conclusion that you know we are all sinful, to just outright make that your only interaction with other people. Basically you calling out their sins. Mm-hmm. That's not bringing anybody to Christ. That's not bringing anybody to you. And like conviction is one thing, but conviction often comes when you're alone. Conviction often comes in moments you don't expect it. It mm-hmm. doesn't come from somebody just screaming at you. Right. It doesn't come from somebody just insulting you or calling you stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guarantee the impact that these this Baptist church had on those kids for what church people could be like. Like, I'm sure that changed at least dozens of opinions that people had about church people, about mm-hmm. Christians. Mm-hmm. They thought they're all judgmental. They all hate us. Blah, blah, blah. Well, these ones were nice, mm-hmm. you know. And that changes your perspective. That changes what you think. Well, okay, maybe they're not all bad. Maybe, like any other sect of humans, there's some jerks and there's some good ones. Right. <laughs> like the goal is to realize is that while we are the you know kind of ambassadors uh, for the faith, uh, hopefully we can get them to realize that yeah, just like any other group of people, there's going to be some bad apples, and don't judge. All of Christianity definitely don't judge Jesus by the ones that are unfortunately more in the public eye because those are the ones you see on the news and those are the ones that you see uh, all over social media. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that are usually more quiet that are also more reserved that are also more 
reasonable yeah. <laughs> and kind. Yeah. If we could just, as Christians, care about people who are normally exiled, we would be planting good seeds. We would be planting seeds that actually could sprout mm-hmm. as opposed to just throwing seed on the ground, you know, on the dirt or on the uh, asphalt that does nothing accomplishes no good because they're covered in our hatred and our bile, you know, that we spit out at people. Mm -hmm. It's so reckless to do that. It's so reckless for that to be your way of, of spreading. I mean, the, the biggest case, I guess, of, a church doing that would be Westboro Baptist Church, which I think is all but disbanded at this point, oh, yeah. especially after the founder kind of renounced it on his deathbed. Yeah. <laughs> so they kicked him out posthumously. Um, but like at their core, they thought they were doing what was right. And they thought that they were doing something Christian, which I'm not even sure they count <laughs> as Christians at all. But they truly believe what they were doing was going to help people. Mm. Their church was 14 people. Almost all of them were family. I don't think it ever grew outside of someone marrying somebody in that family. Right. Like that's proof right there that a message of pure hate doesn't do much in bringing people to change Mm -hmm. to a heart change. Yeah. So I said it yesterday, and the more that we're talking about it, the more I'm kind of having this realization. But when we when we first give our lives to Jesus, we have to be careful not to have that savior complex mm-hmm. where we then take it as our goal to be Jesus in people's lives and that it's it's our job to save them from their sins. And I think it gets kind of twisted and confused because, you know, when we're first coming to our faith and first learning what it means to be a Christian, you know, we hear, okay, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to be Christ-like. Okay. Well, guess what? We're never going to be fully Christ-like. We can't, Right. it's not possible. We are going to fail at that every single day. Furthermore, there's nothing that we can say that's going to save someone from their sins. Nothing. We don't have that power. Yep. You know, Jesus, we're then told to go and make disciples. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times we kind of take that as like, well, we have to go and change the world. We have to go into every area, every corner of the world and save every person and spread the gospel as far and as wide as we possibly can. How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. Yep. You know, we have to remember that as long as we are walking in faith and we pair that faith with God's truth and then we bundle it all together with a whole lot of love and grace, our circle may actually be very small. Mm. But when we're throwing seeds, like you were saying, and we're just tossing them out there, there's going to be a lot of seeds that get trampled over. There's going to be a lot of seeds that just lay on top of the ground and never get tilled and soiled, never get watered. There's going to be a lot of seeds that get mixed together. And before you know it, you're going to have some sort of hybrid that's making no sense. (laughs) Right? Yeah. To spread the gospel is intentional. Yeah. And it's purposeful. And it requires love. Mm -hmm. And Love and legalism never go hand in hand. Absolutely right. And uh, that's one of the things that I like about LTN, because one of the things that I heard in the first LTN con was how LTN really exists to till the soil. Mm. You know, it's, it's not so much that we're necessarily watering seeds. We are trying to break apart hardened dry soil Mm -hmm. and get them open to accepting the planting of seeds. Right. And that's an important thing because it is often 
other Christians that have hardened that soil for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got to be able to do uh, that necessary job before any of the rest of that ever falls into place. Mm-hmm. So I like it. I think it's a good thing. And I think more of us would be better uh, for it if we focus more on love than anything else. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, as we continue this week. So this week we're talking about things that are hindering Christianity. Second up, we're going to talk about conservatism. Now, it's not our intention to get super political here, but more to discuss why being super political is precisely what's hurting us. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. The, uh, The very first iteration of this show was a podcast called the Back Row Baptist Podcast. And in our 11th episode ever, which I don't think Mo was actually there for. But Probably not. Me if I'm wrong. Like you were you were brought on as the co-host at this point, but I don't think you were here for this specific episode. Okay. We talked about Donald Trump. This was in 2015. And so we were ramping up to the 2016 election where it was between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And our discussion was... Gosh, do we really want Donald Trump to be the representation of conservatism? And and he, this was like right after his two Corinthians gaffe. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, he's he's running like as a Christian conservative. And we're like, but he's been in the public eye for decades. Like we know faith isn't that big of a deal for him. Isn't a super important thing just based on what we've seen. It seems like he's doing the politics thing of, okay, I'm running for president. I'm a super Christian. Right. And they're like, is this, I mean, do we want the mantra of lesser of two evils to be leading where we go uh, when we're talking about our faith in politics? Putting our, uh, oh, I mean, putting putting all of our trust in, in Donald Trump as conservatives was a uh, was and still continues to be a dangerous thing. And you saw this kind of like we had pastors, very prominent pastors, who initially around that time were saying like we can't, yeah, we can't do this, we can't put up Donald Trump. Only to a year later, completely flip flop and put right. out a long thing about how yes, Trump is good for the country, and you know whatever what he accomplished as president, whether you like him or not, he did accomplish a lot of, of conservatively good things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's still not a a, a a a messenger for for Jesus, and certainly shouldn't be. Uh, uh, like I saw paintings. Of Trump and Jesus together. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's, mm, that doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Like, Jesus is moving everything that, that, uh, you know, every hand that uh, Trump has, every, every move that he makes, it's Jesus, you know, puppeteering him. I'm like, this is weird and can't be accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's, that's dangerous. Putting mm-hmm. our American rights above our walks of faith, that's also dangerous. That's not saying that those rights aren't important as Americans, but they are not as important as our calling here on earth. But I guess the biggest one, the most recent one, is the abortion issue, okay? Now, I've talked about this week online for years. I've been extremely vocal against things that I consider sinful back in the past, and the abortion issue is one of those things I posted about on my old blog all the time. Uh, the fact that before Roe v. Wade... There were not tens of thousands of back alley abortion deaths, like have always been claimed, like was claimed in the Roe v. Wade case. The actual number was in the hundreds at that time, and that percentage remained the same even after abortion was made illegal. But the issue kind of made itself more apparent with the most recent decision from the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Okay. I stand with both scripture and science. It shows that at conception, a new being is formed. I used to argue misinformation. I argued misuse of scripture. I have a whole list of facts, data versus talking points about abortion that I will gladly talk about with someone who wants to. But when that opinion leaked several weeks ago, I was celebrating. Remember there was, it was, someone leaked it mm-hmm. before it ever came out. 
And then the ruling came down and the reactions came in and the world is divided. And I don't feel like I expected to feel. This is something that I was hoping would happen for years. And I don't feel as good about it as I did. Yeah. I am glad that this will resort in, in more lives save, more babies lives save. Absolutely. But I'm also kind of in mourning now because we are losing souls to now polarized, hardened hearts. Mm -hmm. Even if we see them as wrong, they truly believe that they are right and that this is a moral thing that they're fighting for and that something terrible is happening. Mm -hmm. Yet we, as Christians, especially if we're very tied in with the conservative movement, seem to have no sympathy. And the truth is that the mothers in this situation or the women in this situation are also human life that we should care about. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have intermixed our politics with our Christianity so much that we almost find some sort of Christian joy in dunking on the other side. Like we think, we think of them as, as evil almost as mm -hmm. if they're the devil and we are beating them now, you know, like they're on that team. And so it's cool that we get to spike the ball and, you know, wave the flag in their face because they're deliberately trying to ruin the world or whatever, you know, that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And gosh, that's dangerous. <laughs> it is. It's incredibly dangerous. And I, I feel very similar. Somebody very close to me in my life is very against what has happened, you know, mm -hmm. it being overturned. And I, there's a big part of me that has really had to bite my tongue and not kind of lay down some of, some of the things that she is stating is clearly misinformation, you know? And so it's been a battle for me to not be like, Hey, listen, just so you're aware, this is actually what this means. And this is actually what's happening, right. you know, but that's not going to do any good. Right. You know, I, told somebody earlier this week that even when we're innocent, when we argue our innocence to someone who already thinks we're guilty, that only makes us more guilty in their eyes. Yeah. You know, we can give them all the facts and we can equip them with all the knowledge. They're still going to use it against us. It's all that's going to do is solidify their opinion. It's really not going to change their mind or their hearts. Um, and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Silver in our, our stream says that she's seen so many folks who have denounced all Christians unfriending and blocking yes. people who are Christian or anti-abortion. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. That's heartbreaking. That's heart Yeah. That's not something we should celebrate. But yeah. on, a, on most conservative platforms, be they Christian or not, they're going to see that as a win. Yeah. And honestly, that's something that has always been heartbreaking for me. It's happened with every big hot topic issue, you know, within our culture. I see it every single time. If you are for this, unfriend me. Mm -hmm. And it breaks my heart because we are becoming a society. We're becoming a people where we hold ourselves off to diversity, Essentially, as yeah. Americans, we're so proud of the fact that we're this melting pot of culture. However, we don't want diversity in our own personal lives. Sure, we may want to have friends who are different races because it looks good on us, but we want to make sure that those friends of different races and different cultures share the same opinions as us. Yeah. We don't want diversity in the form of difference of opinions. We're a melting pot in as much as we're all in the same pot, but we're not really melting all that well together. <laughs> Fact. Yeah. Fact. Um, I, so I was thinking this, um, mixing, I guess mixing, we're not mixing that well together. <laughs> um, so what I was going to say was when we consider, and this kind of ties in with 
with our discussion from yesterday, but when we consider that, you know, the disciples asked Jesus, what do we have to do? What is the most important thing? And Jesus said, love God, love others. Mm -hmm. Okay. What does that mean? Okay, well then let's, let's figure out what love is, right? And when we go to 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not self-seeking, it does not hold a record of wrong. When we consider those words that Jesus told us the most important thing was to love God and then to love his people, love others, and that love is patient and kind and doesn't envy. Are we loving the world the way that Jesus commanded us to love them? Or are we just messing it all up? It's a good question. Um, there's a, in society right now, we're seeing conservatism getting a, a lot more wins in the last few years, even even with losing the presidential election, things have been shifting more conservative. Even even like polling is showing that you know Generation Alpha is is coming up more conservative than mm. previous generations, and I think this is kind of the first time this is this that shift has been happening in culture in the last several decades. And I don't think Christians who identify as conservatives know how to handle it. I, I, I believe the same thing's true about Christians who identify as liberals mm. or Democrats or whatever side of that portion of that aisle you want to be on, either aisle. I don't think any of us really know how to handle interweaving our politics and our faith mm -hmm. because this is kind of new for us still. And being so overwhelmingly online and, you know, having opinions everywhere and having reactions everywhere is also still kind of new for us mm -hmm. as a people. And I think conservatives right now, especially conservative Christians, are struggling with being sore winners. We are seeing a lot of Christians bragging rubbing things in the faces of those who believe different, differently. And in the end, all that's doing is burning bridges, not just between us, but often burning bridges between someone and faith Yeah, at all. Mm -hmm. Just like Silver said, you know, it's causing uh, a lot of liberal friends to just like, you know what? I can't be around y'all anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't see you in my feed anymore. Mm hmm. And I think that's because po politics at its core is divisive and it is exponentially more divisive every year. Because think about like just even when we were kids, we didn't, it wasn't, you didn't see every day politicians and political commentators basically calling the other side Hitler every time mm -hmm. and Nazis and whatever else. You didn't see that. You didn't see them constantly saying they're putting an end to our democracy. Both sides say this nonsense. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a, I don't think he's particularly conservative because he, uh, if he is conservative, he mocks both sides when they're being dumb. Uh, but there's a, a, a parody artist guy called Remy on, on YouTube. And he has a song about how <laughs> both sides of the aisle in the Senate always get up and, and say, you know, if you don't do this and you're killing people and, you know, it's you're, you're a threat to our, our democracy and our way of life. And this one burns up gets the same thing. You're, if you don't do this, you're killing me. It's all life and death now, mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to come to some sort of middle ground, trying right. to reach across the aisle, trying to. That's why it's like always giant news now whenever we're like, OK, both sides agreed on this and it was passed in two seconds. Right. Like, <laughs> so. The fact that we're letting politics inform our faith is a su is such a dangerous, dangerous game to play when it should be the other way around. Mm -hmm. Let your faith inform your personal politics and don't shove it in everybody else's face. Mm -hmm. If you're winning, don't shove it in everybody's face to brag. If you're losing, don't complain all the time about it. Yeah. Let your faith lead you in those areas. 
and let your faith guide you and how to vote and, you know, what things to support. And always remember in every interaction that you have with people, especially on a heavily politicized topic, to speak in love like you hope to bring this person to Christ one day. Right. Like you love the person. I'm going to end with a with a mind bomb real quick that Do might it. just send some people over I'm over ready. the top. But uh, it may take you by surprise, but Jesus was not American. <laughs> I don't believe you. Right. He was he was not patriotic. That's not what my Donald Trump version of the Bible tells me. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's keep that in mind the next time that we want to argue our Christian stance <laughs> on a political topic. I just remembered that back in 2016, I started a Twitter account, a joke Twitter account of Trump Bible verses. Really? Yeah. I didn't do it for more than a couple months because I, I didn't have the time, but oh. I remember it being very fun. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are talking about things that are hindering Christianity. And last up, we're going to talk about conditional love. One of my least favorite phrases that I have seen on the internet lately is there is no hate like Christian love. And mm -hmm. that breaks my heart that the love of Christ has been cheapened by what we've made of it. Hmm. With everything that we've already discussed this week, we've come to that conclusion that everything comes down to love and how we define it. Too many Christians have let their hate thrive by calling it love. We will mock and scream and fight against moral changes in our society, thinking that if we can scream loud enough, we will turn the tides. And in the end, that will be a victory. And we convince ourselves that that is the ultimate love. That however we can get to a win is good for society and thus love. However, we fail to realize that even... If we ban a sinful act, that does nothing to change the heart of the person that would commit that sin. But when done right, sharing the unconditional love of Christ can have a profound effect. One of the most recent examples of this was showcased in a testimony uh, for a man named Rain Zweigelar, uh, a former reverend at the South African Satanic Church a large organization which he co-founded. Hmm. In May, he stepped down from his position. On July 4th, he posted a video explaining why. He has renounced Satanism and accepted salvation in Christ. So what was the catalyst for this? Earlier in the year, Zweigelar gave an interview as a member of that church, the Satanic Church, on Cape Talk Radio, or a Cape Talk radio station, rather. And for that interview, a woman working at the station, whose name he would not reveal, came to him and demonstrated God's love in an unexpected way. Uh, he told her, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe Jesus Christ exists. She came to him after the interview, after he said that, and she hugged him. He said, she held me in a way that I've never been loved. And that's all she did. She just said it was nice to meet him in person and hugged him. A week later, on WhatsApp, through her status, he saw this woman was a Christian. He said, I've never had a Christian do that. I've never experienced a Christian show that much love and acceptance unconditionally. After the, I said the things I said, she did that. She stayed with me. Hmm. It opened a door in his heart that was previously closed. It cleared the way for Jesus to come in, and he did it not too long after. Rain was attempting a satanic ritual, but Jesus walked through the door instead. He was flooded with the most beautiful love he had ever felt, and he recognized it immediately as the same love that woman had showed him. I got to watch this video. I got to watch this testimony. It was a 40-minute thing that uh, Bubba from, from Love Thy Nerd, my boss, uh, said. Uh, he had seen it and he said, this is now required viewing for everybody here at LTN hmm. because it really showcased the fact that simple, unconditional love is the biggest motivator towards seeing who Christ really is. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said in the last segment, 
the two things we were told to do. Love God, love people. And if we can't do that, we're not doing what God said to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. like it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send you that video, though, so you can see it. It's really good. I'll put it in the uh, I'll put the video in the podcast uh, notes on uh, the website. I love that nerd. So y'all can see it, too. It's uh, very moving, very interesting. And this guy's like a big guy in the satanic church world, too. So, like, he's got a bunch of people trying to interview him and asking him questions. And, mm -hmm. But it's very, it's very interesting to see just this, like, I could see the change of heart in him, even though I never saw him prior to this video. You know, mm -hmm. you can just see how it is, it is profoundly affected him. It's impressive. But it's also, it just proves that when, I keep saying, when we're walking in truth. Yeah. When we're doing what God has asked us to do, which really isn't that hard. It really isn't that difficult. It creates fruit. Mm -hmm. You know, it, I don't know. It is, I think that we make. Christianity a lot more difficult than what it is actually supposed to be. hundred mm percent. -hmm. We put all these stipulations and guidelines and necessities when really all that it is, is choosing to love. We don't have to accept it. We don't have to stand behind everything that our friends or fellow man agree with or stand for. You don't even have to necessarily like somebody. <laughs> That's to a fact. Love them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we have to love them. Absolutely. Have to love them. Silver here in our chat says, there's a guy I play poker with. It's a downright butthole. He is rude to women, angry when he loses. He's a miserable person to be around. Wow. Is she talking about Topher? <laughs> <laughs> but I still treat him like everyone else there. Being mean back does nothing but worsen situations. And that's true. I feel like Christians forget that we don't really have the right to not love somebody. Mm hmm we have the right to not like somebody, but we don't have the right to not love somebody. Mm -hmm. And this is from the most miserable to the most evil to the, you know, just somebody that ticked you off one day. You know, all those people we should have love for. That doesn't necessarily mean that they all have to be in our life. Right. But you can't write them off. You can't think of them as, you know, they don't deserve love. They don't deserve Christ. They don't deserve salvation. They don't deserve heaven. You can't. Just write them off as, I hope they die. Right. Because that's essentially what you're saying. Exactly. If you're refusing to love them, you're refusing to show them Christ, you're saying, I hope they die, I hope they go to hell. Yeah. Again. Not in as many words, but. <laughs> Again, another Kevin aha moment that I had early on in our church years here at, at this church. Um, but he, the opposite of love is hate. Yep. And to say that you hate someone is saying that you wish death upon them. Mm -hmm. So the next time that you say you hate someone... Take that into consideration. Are you truly wishing death upon them? No. Again, it was mind-blowing for me, life-changing for me to really go, wow. Yeah, there's nobody. There are a lot of people I don't like. There are a lot of people I don't like. And quite honestly, I think there's a lot of people that God says, you know what, Mo, it's okay that you don't like them. <laughs> it's okay that you don't hang around with them. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay that you've got your boundaries and... That's fine. But to wish death upon them, that takes it to an entirely different level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's something that uh, my wife was taught early on. Uh, the word hate, at least when it comes to other people, is not a lot was not allowed in her home. Mm -hmm. Like she said it once. She got more in trouble for that than saying a cuss word. Yeah. And that's how we're raising our kids, too. You don't say that. You don't say you hate somebody. Yep. Because that's much worse than you think it is. Mm -hmm. And that conditions you in a terrible, terrible way. Exactly. Um, the Bible speaks more clearly on our call to love our neighbors than anything else. 
when the Bible tells us to call out sin, it's almost always talking about calling out the sin of our fellow believers, not necessarily on the unbelieving world. Jesus said the two greatest commandments were to love God uh, with our everything and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's an important distinction. Paul said that without love, all of our good deeds, all of our messages, all of our prophecies, all of it is just noise. Without love, we are nothing. Christians keep trying to twist it, saying that we are loving unbelievers by calling out their sin. There must be, or there might be a time and a place for that, but it's not something that you can do without genuinely loving the person that you're speaking with. You can't call out the sin of somebody that you don't love. You can't have those serious conversations with somebody that you don't actually care about because it's just noise. We need a love that isn't superficial. It's not you just going through the motions. Do you love yourself superficially? Or do you instead know the intimate details of your own life, your history, your story, your hopes, dreams, fears, worries, and the current status of your faith? Until you know all this about someone else, you aren't loving them as yourself. As I read it, this is a personal, relational love. You love a person who is an unbeliever as if you, <laughs> they were you, essentially, before coming to Christ. You, you become the genuine friend that they need. You invest in them. When, they truly, when you truly love them, when this is a true loving situation, when there's true friendship, true connection, your motivation to show them Jesus becomes real. It becomes tangible. It becomes uh, more than just a, a, an overarching, you know, Bible says I've got to do this. It becomes something that is personal for you, an investment. Shouting them down, calling them out, condemning them to hell until they bow down to your vision of salvation. 999 times out of a thousand, you're just driving them further away from the idea of a loving God. Sin is a real problem. The solution to that problem is love. Jesus didn't browbeat unbelievers. He loved them. He went where they were. He laughed with them. He drank with them. He made them a part of his family. And that love kept them coming back to him, kept changing their hearts. Every single one of those disciples was loved into the family, into the fold. But Jesus did call out the religious leaders so concerned with what was a sin and what wasn't and when, while caring nothing for the actual person. He called them out in public. He called them vipers. They were convinced that they were in the right and refused to listen to the Son of God. Love people who aren't Christians. Do it without an agenda. Truly invest in them. Connect with them. Do life with them. Find things in common. Be friends. Be a good influence. Show them the love of Christ by being that love, and that will draw them to the truth behind it all. I think we've done ourselves a disservice a bit in church because we, 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 keep, we keep tossing those verses like not being uh, unequally yoked or, or things of that nature as, uh, as the Bible saying we're not supposed to be friends with unbelievers. Mm. And that's not really what it's, it's ever saying. It's saying don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to get yourself in trouble. So... Like if, if you know that you have a personal struggle with like alcohol, it's saying don't hang out with people that are going to drink. It's not saying you can't be friends with unbelievers. It's saying don't be friends with people that are going to lead you astray. Mm. So that's just your personal responsibility when it comes to your life. But we have kind of used that to say, no, we're just going to be friends with our Christian people and we're going to stay in our own little group and we're going to, we're going to toss our, our tracks over there and, and hope they pick one up and read it. Mm -hmm. And like, it's so impersonal. It's so unloving to think that that's going to be the change in our minds. We think, yeah, that's great. They're going to pick up this track or whatever, and they're going to be convicted and they're going to come to Christ. And really that, I mean, that I'm not saying that's never happened, but it's not a common thing. That's not m how most people come to Christ. For most people coming to Christ is a slow burn. It's a long journey. 
and some won't make it there. But yelling at them about their particular sin isn't likely to get them there any faster. In fact, it might cause them to stall out for years or forever. Without love, our words are noise. Without love, we are nothing. You got a minute left. You got anything to add? Because <laughs> that's my piece. <laughs> I really don't. Surprisingly. I didn't. I mean, I didn't really want to talk about this this week. We had planned on talking about like esports and and doing, you know, kind of a lighthearted thing coming back. But it really was the abortion thing that, you know, and the, the responses to it anyway that have drawn this out. It's like we're doing ourselves such a disservice by not running every reaction and every discussion and every TikTok and tweet and every all this through the lens of love first, mm -hmm. through the lens of empathy. And of course, not just with this one specific thing. It's just the thing that is most apparent right now. Right. But in all areas of our lives, we should be operating with empathy, with love, like we really care about people <laughs> because we should really care about people. We wrap up all our shows with memory verses. Mo, uh, what do you got for us today? First John four, eight, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's going to do it for the Back Row Morning Show this week. We air our daily morning shows exclusively on LTN Radio, ltnonair.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, you can find the weekly podcast every Thursday afternoon by searching the Back Row Morning Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the podcast apps. We'd also love a good review and five stars. Do it in your cool. Check out lovethynerd.com. It is positively jam-packed with articles, podcasts, and videos that cover a wide range of nerdy topics. And just like any ministry, we are largely supported by those willing to partner with us financially. I'm actively working to make LTN my full-time job, but in order to do that, I need people who will join my partner team. I have a handful of awesome folks already who help support me in this ministry, and I am extremely grateful and honored. And if you would like to join these amazing people, visit lovethynerd.com slash radiomat or reach out to me directly. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible. Make sure you're following us on all the socials at the back row LTN. And if you really want to get into the show, even literally join us at backrowdiscord.com and watch along when we record on twitch.tv slash LTN on air. Once again, I'm radio Matt and I'm Mo. And if nobody else tells you, we promise it's true. Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you nerd. nerd. The Back Row Morning Show is proudly a part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. The show is hosted and produced by Matt Coker and Megan Oaks. The show is edited by Matt Coker. Discord buds participate in the show through backrowdiscord.com. For more episodes, visit lovethynerd.com slash backrow.